Welcome to Thrive Church Online. We are here to know God, to grow in Him, and go. We hope you feel encouraged and equipped through this week's message. Uh, we're at this series called To the Core. Um, I love it. Um, I think that um, if you're really going to be a part of Thrive, you have to know who we are because it has to be who you are. Uh, you're the church. And um, so as we step into this, um, just kind of recapping, uh, last week, or for week one, we talked about making Jesus famous. We exist to do nothing more than make Jesus famous in the world. Um, so whether you're, you're watching online or you're here, I think that at your, at your core, your job is to, is to spread the gospel. It's to spread the truth to as many people as humanly possible. And that, so, so people agree with that in theory, but disagree with it in application. Um, if you're going to make Jesus famous, you can't be a jerk to your kids or to your spouse or to your waitress. You can't flip people off on the interstate because they cut you off. You can't be a horrible neighbor who doesn't mow your yard. Because people will look and go, well, if that's what a Christian is, then I don't want anything about it. What you've done is you make Jesus unfamous. You, you've given Jesus a bad name. Bon Jovi says it best, you give love a bad name. Right? Like you are given the love of Jesus a really horrible name when you don't reach out and show that Jesus is famous, and that, he, that His intention is to be famous everywhere and that people want what you have. And then last week, uh, we talked about how you've got to be kingdom-minded because you can't make Jesus famous and not have a mind that is always focused on the kingdom of God and how your actions impact the kingdom of God. People go, well, my world's super small. Well, it doesn't matter how small your world is. You can make Jesus famous. You can be kingdom-minded no matter how many people you have influence with. Leadership, simply defined, is influence. You're impacting a community of people whether you like it or not. Well, it's just, it's just me and my kids at home. Well, it's a community. Make Jesus famous in your kids and your spouse. Well, it's just me and, and, and maybe you're a caregiver. We'll make Jesus famous. Man, it's me and I, I go to a job site. Make Jesus famous. You don't have to be perfect to make Jesus famous. Matter of fact, the people that really followed Jesus were far from perfect. Um, they were the jacked up 12. Like for real, the first Motley crew was not the band. Every time Jesus rolled in, I guarantee you were like, well, that's a motley looking crew right there. That is not what Jesus looks like. And because Jesus was an outlaw, man. He lived so far outside of the Roman influence. The Roman government hated Jesus because he was a riot waiting to happen. The Levitical church hated Jesus because Jesus, Jesus had a way of... Okay, so I'm not saying that Jesus drank beer because he didn't. But I need to put this in southern terms. Have you ever watched people do something and it's a hold my beer moment? Generally, it's, it's, it's when somebody in the South says hold my beer, something dumb is about to happen. Like we're about to go outside the constraints of common sense and legality and we don't tell my wife and kids don't do this. And like, right, that's when, it, when a Southern man looks at you and goes, hold my beer, something bad's about to happen. Jesus would look at somebody and go, hey, you know what? Your sins are forgiven. And people would freak out. The church would freak out. Rome would freak out. The people around him would freak out. They'd go, hey, you can't do that. And Jesus did not drink beer, but he went, hey, hold my beer and watch this. If you think it's crazy for me to say, your sins are forgiven. How about I say, take up your mat and walk. Get out of here. Go home. You're healed. Which one's harder? Make sense? 
And I think this, I think that, that what Jesus is looking for is for a group of people, for a church. Not We are a peculiar ministry. We don't do church like everybody else does. I don't want to do church like... If we're, if we're going to do church like everybody else does, let's just go join that church. But if we want to be committed to, to fulfill in Isaiah 61, we've come to bind up the brokenhearted, to release captives, to do all this stuff in people's life, to proclaim this, this year of blessing of the Lord, this new season that God's going to do something. We can't do what everybody else has done. So when we look at, at, at the Scripture text, I love, man, I love Jesus. Can I just say that? Jesus is, is, is fully God, fully man, and part gangster. No, like for real, Jesus is a little gangster. Luke 14, 16 through 24, he begins to teach this story. He said, um, and he said to him, once a man gave a great banquet and invited many people. Now, here's what a lot of folks don't know is there are two invitations given in the Jewish culture. There's like the pre-invitation that says, hey, I'm going to have a party and it's going to be about this day and about this time. But you really didn't know the exact time until the second invitation went out. And so what happens is this, is, is this is the start of the second invitation. Now, what I couldn't help but think of was, okay, so I'm a 70s born child. Don't laugh. 70s was the best. If you were born somewhere around the 70s, you're just the cool generation. Um, but uh, back in my day, if you had a McDonald's birthday party, you were the pimp. You were the pimp kid of the class. Like, and we didn't get birthday. Kids now, I love you, but you're soft. Y'all get birthday parties all the time. We got like one, like, like, like your, your sixth grade and, 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 and maybe your eighth grade, you got a party. Other than that, you had graduation. That's all you got. And if you were a really good elementary kid or your parents were rolling in dough, you got the McDonald's party. Now, if you threw a McDonald's party, and I don't know how you are, what's your biggest fear if you throw a kid a party? Nobody shows up. Like, that's the, like, like, and we've all, can I just say this? We've all thrown something that people haven't shown up to. So, like, if that's ever happened to you, the heartbreak that you felt, um, man, you're not alone. We've all been there. But as a parent, what do you do? As a parent, you, t you get your McDonald's invitations because those were pimped too. They were branded. They had like balloons on them and Ronald McDonald was there. It was great. Grimace. Uh, uh, and you, you filled them out. And what you did was you took them early to class and you passed them out to everybody. You passed them out to the, to the smart kids. You passed them out to the dumb kids. You passed them out to that kid that eats its boogers. You like, like you invited everybody in class because it was really important to you that people showed up to your kid's party because you did not want your kid disappointed because nobody showed up to the party. Now here's what I believe. I think that we throw a party every week. We, we talk about a party in the parking lot and a party in our welcomes team and a party in our kids' areas and in our nursery and in our welcome and our hospitality and the way that we worship. But here's the thing. I don't feel like we're inviting anybody to the party. And I just wonder how we make Jesus feel when we throw this thing for Him every week, but we don't bother to invite anybody. Like, are we really making Jesus famous? Are we really doing what God called us to do? When, when every week He's like, I, wanna th I want you to throw this party every week. I think that, that, that services should look more like a McDonald's birthday party uh, than a Lau's funeral. Like, like people should laugh and people should be involved. And, and I'm just wondering this, like, 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 how many invitations are you sending out? Like, if you're a believer... How many invitations are you sending out? Here's my other question. If you're not a believer, 
How many invitations has God given you that you've, you've turned down, that you've rejected? Like, and if you are a believer, how many opportunities has He given you to invite somebody and you've turned them down? Verse 17 said, At the time of the banquet, He sent His servants out uh, to those who had been invited. And He said, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. I like that. They made the same excuses. They just used different versions of the same excuse. And I cannot be honest, I got my own excuses. Has anybody, at, like, like when we really own our faith, we'll figure out that, that we do stupid things and we make really horrible excuses. Listen to these excuses. One guy said, uh, they all began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I bought a field and I must go see it. Why? If you bought it, you looked at it, it ain't changed. It's a flipping field. If you build a house and like, here's the thing, I can't come to church, I got housework to do. Can I just say this? If you can't do your housework in six days, you can't do it in seven. You can't, if you haven't had time to vacuum in six days, you need to go on Amazon, buy you a robot vacuum cleaner, program it, and come to church. Like, like I'm just saying, like if you ain't got it done by if you ain't got it done in six days, skipping church is not gonna help you get it done. It's what it is. It's a super lame excuse. Jesus, I'm sorry. I can't hang out with you today because I got to scrub my toilets. Can you imagine how you just made Jesus feel? Matter of fact, it goes on and it said this. Um, um, Please excuse me. And another one said, I bought five yoke of oxen and, and I must examine them. Please have me excused. I'm not an ox expert here. What? There again. Can you imagine that this is the equivalent of going, hey, I went and bought a Honda and, and I, I've already got the loan for it. I've been driving it for a week, but now I need to have some, a mechanic look at it and tell me if I made a good purchase. Well, first of all, if I made a bad purchase, don't tell me. Like, like, who buys ox? It's not like he bought them online. We're in like late BC, early AD, right? Like, like, you went to a store and you bought the oxen. You've already, like, don't you hate it when people make up an excuse not to show up at your house? And like, it's an excuse, you know they're lying. Hey, you want to come to the house? Well, you know, I would come, but I really need to clean out my closet. It's about to... Listen, if you can't clean out your closet... The rest of the week, you ain't going to clean it out on Friday night. And if you are, you need to go out and, and save some money up and buy a life. Now, I love this. I love this last one. And another one said, I've married my wife. Therefore, I cannot come. Listen, Bo, if you can't take care of her six days out of the week, Sunday morning is not the time you need to try. Can I be honest? Sometimes serving is sexy. Okay, three people agreed with me. I was expecting for more. Here's the thing. Man, if you have ever watched your partner do something, it's, it's, it's attractive. Like, like, hey girl, I saw you open that door. Come on girl, I've been watching you. Look, one of my favorite parts of church is watching people flirt. Married couples. Hey, I saw you running that online campus, Bo. You are hot. You, 
just stroking them keyboards. How about you take those magic fingers and put them on my shoulders? How about you? How about you type a little love note back here on my shoulders? How about like I saw you up on stage and man, you like look. There's nothing more attractive than when a guy bends down to help a child, right? I I I don't remember who quoted that, but it said a man's never stood taller than when he bends down to to, to serve a child. Here's what I believe. I think look and, and and wives look at their husbands because wives really want their husbands to lead. And when you're serving in an area, she'll be like, you are sick. And she'll bite that just like. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, So here's the thing. Have you, ever, have you ever gone to a party with your spouse? So I love. So one of my favorite uh, memories is I went to Wesley and Brianna's wedding. And uh, so I've got this theory on weddings. I try to get out as quick as I can. Um, sign, the, sign a piece of paper. Grab a little cake. I'm out. Like, I've done a thousand of them. I really don't. Hey, you're not going to believe. We're going to dance to Butterfly Kisses. Seen it, right? Like, I'm not all that, like, impressed with them anymore. So we go to, to Wesley and Brianna's thing. And, and I did part of the service. Loved it. But we made the MC, the, the like, um, uh, the DJ reception guy, we, we made him mad. And I made him mad. I kind of took table four down. My, we had a gangster table four. And so I kind of took the whole table down. Because before the wedding... I went to prep some stuff and I have my iPad. And so when I got ready to do the wedding, I popped my iPad out of the case. So all I have is an iPad. And I put it under my, I checked with, with, with uh, Christy, who's, who's uh, Brianna's mom. And I said, hey, is this my table? And she said, yeah. So you okay if I put my, my case under my plate and I'll just, you know, come back and get it? She said, oh, that's great. So we get ready to go sit down. And I look at this guy and I said, he said, hey, table four. And we roll up because we gangster, right? We're like, table four, right in there. And, um. He's like, your table's over there. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm not being a jerk, but actually our table's over there. No, I see it. And so now we're having an argument, right? And I'm like, well, hey there, uh, Geppetto. Um, my case that the bride's mama said is right there. So, you know, and, and also there's this um, number four on the table. So I'm pretty sure that's table four. So we were last to get called for food. And one of the rules was, don't use it. So it was super pretty wedding, right? And the bottom had a charger plate. You know, they're really big and shiny and all that. And they're like, don't use the charger plate. You shall not pass. And so Jimmy is, so what we figured out was that, that in this moment, we connected with Jimmy and Felicia. And Jimmy does not obey rules. And I don't need people in my life to encourage me not to obey rules. So Jimmy has his charger plate, spinning it on one finger like we're on the, the freaking Polar Express Walking by this dude going, I'm loading the charger plate. Well, that went over like a fart in a funeral. You know what I'm talking about? Like it was, no, and I loved every minute of it. So then Christy got involved and she got us to the front of the line on the cake section. And then grandma got involved and they found out we were last to get our food. So grandma cut the cake. Beep, 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 beep. Right? Like it was a great wedding. We ended up leaving at like midnight. Because here's the thing a lot of people need to go to a party and they're going to have more fun, but you don't know till you're actually there. You dread the process of going to the party, but once you're there, it's on. You know what I'm talking about? A lot of people dread coming to church, and what they need is an invitation that's so compelling that once they get here, they'll figure out that the party has a rhythm they can dance to. Does this make any sense? And the only way that they'll come is if you invite them. And so, so what happens is, is all these people begin to make excuses. And the question that I have is for people who aren't Christ followers, how many invitations do you need before Jesus stops inviting you to the party? 
You ever kept inviting somebody to your house and inviting somebody to your house and they never show up? And then finally you're like, well, okay, you're off the invite list. I tell, I tell my family, hey, we try to go to as many things as we can. We can't go to everything all the time. Just schedule doesn't let us. But we try to go to as many things as we can because we want to stay on the list. I love coming to other people's house and eating their food. Look, I'll bring your kid a gift. Don't bother me. Just You better have cake. Because if I ever get kidnapped, they're either giving guns, puppies, or cake away. Because I'll get in your panel van. I don't even care. Like, seem like a nice guy to me. But anyway, so my point is this, is, is a lot of people don't come to church because they think all churches are the same party. Because a McDonald's party is fun to a 6-year-old, it's fun to an 8-year-old, it's fun to a 10-year-old, but not a 12 or 14-year-old. Can I be honest? Nursing homes aren't playing the same games that they play in high school. Why does God have all these different kinds of churches, these different methods? Because not everybody likes the same party. Some people like to party hardy. Some people are stoic partiers. I say, old chap, this soiree is most excellent. Don't invite Jimmy to that party because he'll have your charger plate just doing... But if, if you're a new Christ follower, what, what do you... What, what are the reasons you haven't been accepting Jesus? Because if you deny Jesus long enough, he'll, he'll just stop. But there's just this point when, when like I've asked you and I've asked you and you ask you and you don't ever show up. But here's the real question. If you're a Christ follower, if this is, if this is, if this is God's party, like if Sunday is the moment where God shines, could you imagine being a parent that, that went and bought the McDonald's party? but never sent out the invitations. So when my wife and I were first married, we, we made up all these invitations to our wedding. And my, my only job was to mail them out. And there were like five boxes of them because we had a pretty big wedding and we were mailing them out. We went to trade the car like a year after our wedding and she opened the trunk and one box never got mailed. It was stamped. It was addressed. So somewhere like half her friends are mad at us to this day because they never got an invitation. And it's because I never mailed them out. And she said, don't you feel bad? And I was like, they're your friends. No, not really. I don't feel, I don't know any of these people. They're your, anyway, I didn't care. So, um, because the only people that really care if they show up or not are people who are passionate about the party. Now, I wonder how many of us, God has given all these invitation moments to invite people to his party. And we're just not taking them up on. Like, I think if Jesus was here, he'd be like, do you not care that nobody's showing up to my party? Like, can we live with that? Matter of fact, I love verse 21, it says, So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master uh, of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets. Uh, at the lanes of the city and bring the poor and the crippled and the lame. So here's the question. Who are you discounting from inviting? Like, are there people that you go, oh, they can't show up to church. Like, I got friends that I'd be sketch if they showed up. Like, it's like, they're probably going to cuss. Can I be honest? Those are the people that need to be here. I'd love to have, have a couple drug addicts that show up. I'd love to have a couple of, of CEOs show up, a couple of lawyers show up, a couple of people who are on the brink of divorce show up, a couple, does this make sense? Like, like I believe this, that, that whatever's making you cripple, God is the answer to. And you're not going to get it if you stay home from the party. 
you, the only thing that happens when you stay home is you get worse. Anybody ever woke up and you didn't feel good? Man, I battled it this week. I think a lot of people did. With you. And what you want to do is stay in bed, but once you get up and moving, you feel a little better. Because here's the thing, as long as you're lame and on your mat, you'll always feel worse. The only thing that gets people off their mat is an invitation to go somewhere else. He sits there and he goes, he goes man, it, 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 what, what do you do if, if you invite somebody to your kid's party and they say no? Listen, if I pay for 13 people to show up to my kid's party, 13 kids are going to be there. I don't care if they know us or not. Can I get a witness? If I paid for 13, there are no refunds. Some kid is eating some cake and playing some games. We are, like, I'll start inviting neighbors who have grandkids. I don't even know. Look, I don't, you don't have to bring a present. Just come make the party full. Let me ask you a question. Where's your urgency? That if one friend tells you that they can't come to church, you don't go find another one and another one and another one until the party's full. Like, where's the passion of going, man, I'm going to make Jesus famous to the point that I get people in the party. Like, I'm passionate about it like 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 it's it's at the core of not only the church it's at my core because here's the thing i hate hell i hate watching the devil ruin people's lives and their eternities and the way that we change the, the, the number one hope jesus thought this the number one hope for society was always the church that we got so many people in our culture that go man i don't need to go to church well jesus thought different jesus saw the greatest hope for the world was the world hearing about Him through, of all things, the church. And our passion, our heartbeat should make this party full. And here's the thing. If you're a partier and you used to use your party skills to get people over to your house and get drunk and go to hell, let's just refocus your party skills. I want every service. Why do I use so much humor? Because I think church services, you should not be able to go to sleep in. I think they should be entertaining. I think they should engage you emotionally, spiritually, psychologically. I think that 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 that, we're, that the smells in the church, that the people in the church, that everything you engage in should be something that draws you closer to Jesus. And I think part of that is a celebration. If you're watching and you're not a Christian, I think that sometimes what we think is we're too lame and we're too crippled to come to church. Man, I come to church after I get. Let me get cleaned up a little and we'll come to church. You know, I love people that, that show up to church hungover. You can tell them because they go for the earplugs right off a jump when Liz and the worship team come up. They're like, oh, this is, I cannot, I, I just can't. Like, right? They're, they're, they've got a coffee on an IV. Like, you can tell. Can we? We've all been there, right? Like, you're like, mm, you need to be here. But what a lot of people do is they go, man, I'm too lame to come to church. I'm too broken. I'm too, I'm too handicapped. Like the thing that's going on in my life makes it so that I'm not worthy to come to church. What you don't realize is this, is that that's the very people we exist to serve. Jesus becomes famous when broken people are healed. Now, that's not a socioeconomic. You don't have to be a drug addict to be broken. I know multi-million dollar people that have, that have killed themselves because they were hopeless. And I'll just wonder in those cases, did it happen because nobody sent an invitation? And just because they say no doesn't mean you're going to stop inviting them. Thanksgiving was just over, right? My favorite thing to push is dessert table. Anybody ever made a dessert or somebody brought a dessert and you're like, this is banging. This is the dessert of all desserts. 
and you start pushing it like a crack dealer on the corner. You go, hey, you got to try this. You got to try this. Well, I don't really like chocolate, but you'll like this. It's not, anybody ever lied to you and said this? It's not like normal. It doesn't even taste like chocolate, but it's a chocolate pie. But you got to try. It's moist and it's creamy and it's got subtle hints of hazelnut, but also on the back end, it's got this cinnamon thing. In the, like, you just got to try it. I really don't want to try. How many of y'all have ever given in just to shut them up? You're like, just give me the fork. I'll gag, like, I'll just take it, swallow it with coffee. It'll go down. I'll be like, mm, yeah, I see what you're saying. You want a beast? No, I think I'm good. Here's the thing. If you can just get people to try bite, what Jesus does after they try bites between them and Jesus, your job is just to serve it up. Your job is just to, matter of fact, in verse 22, it says this, and the servant said, um, sir, what you commanded has been done and there's still room. Let me ask you a question. When are we full enough? When have we reached enough people? When have we made a big enough impact into hell? Like what I think people do is they try to fill their church. I don't want to fill the church. I want to grow the church. Like the big C church. Like, 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 so we're at two services. Why don't we have three? I mean, how many days a week can our church be full and us use it? Well, what about five? Well, am I going to be happy with five? No. Well, what if we're running six? No. What if we plant seven locations? Is it enough? No. Because hell is still being filled. If hell's being filled, the church isn't full enough. So where am I satisfied? It's not about numbers, but it is about souls. So numbers and souls tend to go together. So I sit there and I'm like, man, his house has to be full. It's, 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 not, a, it's, not, a, it's not an offer. It's a mandate. Because here's the thing. Just like the people who didn't attend were wicked, what do you think Jesus thinks about the servants who don't invite? What if this servant would have just said, well, Jesus, I'm not inviting anybody to your, to your party. What would Jesus' response be? And I just sit here and he's like, he's like, you know what? I don't ever want you satisfied with how many people are there. I want you to think about the ones that aren't there. Like, let's celebrate who's here. I always hated preachers who talked about people who weren't at church to the people who were. I'm like, hey, I got a question. This doesn't, you're talking to the wrong group of people. This isn't that conversation. This is a conversation that says at the core of who we are, we're bringing people to Jesus. Because we want them to know, grow, and go. We, we, we want to make Jesus famous by, by connecting people with God. Now, what they do with that connection, that's up to them. You ever invited, you ever tried to connect people that you knew could help each other out, but they were too dumb to realize it? That's not my problem. My job is to introduce you go, hey, this is Jesus. This is what Christianity looks like. This is how we do it. So he goes on in verse 23 and he said, and the master said, and I love this, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house might be filled. He said, look, I want you to go to country roads and I want you to go into Burlington roads and into Graham roads and into Mebane roads and I want you to go to all these places and I want you to compel people to come. I want you to make it so magnetic. If you've got to bribe them with food, bribe them with food. If you've got to pick them, if you've got to mow their yard to get them to church, do it. Like, like what does it take for you to compel the people around you to come? Because the word compel by definition means this, to force, let's not do that. That's kidnapping, not, not condoned. we got cops that go here. We have to arrest you after service. Or to oblige someone to come. You're the ramp between them getting here or not getting here. To compel means I'm going to use everything in my power to draw you into the house of God. Here's what I believe. 
I believe that what you do with that invitation will determine your destiny. There's a real heaven and a real hell. The stakes that we play for are so high. But also, I think it determines what kind of servant you are. So I'm going to tell a story that's probably, I'm probably going to lose some members. This is fair. Like some of y'all can bolt. Every now and then, I like a small drink of an adult beverage. Going to shock you? I don't get amen on the rest of our service, but that one will do it. And so the other week, I went into a place where you buy that, and, and, and I, I got something, and this little girl was there, and we were talking, and I'm like, yeah, I just love this. The first time I had this was actually with a group of other pastors. And she's like, what? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a pastor. Now, here's the thing. I don't believe in getting drunk because the Bible clearly says, don't get drunk. Drunkers want to enter the kingdom of heaven, blah, blah, blah. Now, look, I'm also a grown man. I know when to stop. I can eat one piece of cake, not the whole cake. Boys eat the whole cake. Men eat a piece of cake. Men can have a drink, not a case of drinks. Can we be honest? I can, I can listen to some secular music, just not nasty music. I can watch some TV, just not nudie TV. I can watch some violent movies, but not one that causes me to feel some kind of way. Like grown men, and I'm, this is a series that's coming up. What it means to be a man means knowing boundaries. Men play the long game, boys should play the short game. So I'm looking at this girl, and, and here I am in, in a particular establishment. The pastors don't go to. But Jesus probably would. And so I'm talking to this little girl. She's in her 20s. I'm 48, so 20. <laughs> Look, you can still bend over without making noises. You're a kid. Um, and I looked at her and I said, yeah, because here's... And so I start giving her this theology lesson on, on that. And then I talk about how Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted and release captives. And, and Paul says, don't let anybody yoke you to a gospel other than what I preach. This is the same Paul that told Timothy to have a little bit of wine for his stomach's sake. So like, are you tracking with me? Well, wine is okay. Well, then, if wine is okay, then is this okay? It, the issue is not what you're having. What is? Does it have you? Some people need to get off Facebook more than they need to worry about what they're drinking. Some people need to cut the flipping TV off more than they're... Does this make sense? Like, like Paul said, don't, don't let anybody yoke you to something that's not... I believe this. I believe that the best place I can be is in church. I love it, but I believe that I'm free to do whatever I want to. Paul says all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. I will avoid the stuff that I don't think is beneficial, but I'm going to do what I want to do. That's, if Jesus is okay with it, I really don't care what you think. And I don't care what your grandma taught me. And so this little girl's in there, and she's like, she goes, well, I, you know, I've been thinking about coming back to, to, a, to a church for a long time. But I just never felt like I could fit in because of where I were. And I'm like, well, hold on. Tracy and I went out to the car and we grabbed a t-shirt. Well, I asked her what size she was. And we brought her a t-shirt in. I said, look, whether you come or not, will you just have this gift? Because here's what we want you to know. The door's always open to you. And she's like, you know, I think I could talk to a pastor that I could really talk to. And I'm like, well, look, what you see here is what you get there. There's, I, I've got one version of myself. I can't keep up with I can't keep up with multiple personalities. I'm not smart enough. No, no, no. Like I can't be one way here and some. Does this make sense? And I'm going to own the things that I do because I I don't want to I don't want you to think I'm on a pedestal that I'm not. 
I love Jesus with all my heart. I'm going to make His house full. I'm going to make Him famous. And I'm going to make Him famous with people that everybody else thinks need to be thrown away. Because I love Him enough to know that He still puts broken pieces back together. He still puts broken people back together. Like, like does this make any sense? Like, like, this is who we are at the core. And if that's not what you're interested in, you are at the wrong house. Because we're going to make His house full. And we're going to need you to do it. I did not have them intentionally this week. I'm, I'm going to give them to you next week. Is I ordered like 5,000 invitation cards. They've got the service date, time, website, all that. But then on the back, they've got a thing that says, you can sit with me. And I want you to put your name on it. Isn't there worse? It, nothing's worse than getting invited somewhere and then you can't remember who invited you. So you don't show up. Or you try to describe them. You know, they were medium height, medium build, brown hair. Well, that's everybody on the planet just about, right? Like, like or, or, um, 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 they had a, had a, um, or, you don't want to, right? So what, here's the thing. You go, oh, Adam invited me. Do you know Adam? Oh, yeah, I don't come up here. He's got a seat saved for you. We'll move people around. If somebody ever asks you to move, move. You don't have assigned seats here. You don't have you don't have reserved seating here. I love you, but you don't. And if you need to move so that somebody can find the gospel, get your butt up and move. I went to a church one time and I was the guest preacher, and a lady told me I was sitting in her seat. <laughs> Guess what I preached on? Yeah, I didn't get invited back. But um, but I love this. Verse 24. He said this, For I tell you, none of those men who, invited, who were invited shall taste my banquet. Again, what you do determines your destiny. What you do with invitations, what you do with your opportunity as a servant dictates your destiny. So here's what I'm committed to. I'm going to make his house full. I'm going to be so committed to this, you're going to get tired of hearing about it. Here's what I believe, that as you invite people into the house of God, you make His house full, He'll make your house full of other things. I think that, that when servants serve God, you bless the servant. So we're going to do that, man. We're going to empty hell as much as we possibly can. I don't want to see one more funeral that somebody has to go, well, I'm not sure where they're at. I'm just, I'm over it. I'm going to live my life with and on purpose. And I'm going to ask you to go on the same journey with me. I don't need you to be perfect. I don't really care about your little habits. God can use you with your little habit. He'll deal with the little habit. Eventually, the little habit will have a bad taste. I, I used to love shoot 'em up movies. And one day I started watching a movie and I was like, Dude, I just can't do it. Like, and I still watch them from time to time, but I have to be real careful because they make my heart heavy. And I'm, I just, I don't, have the, I don't have it right now, Jesus. And, and then I'll go like, do something different that makes me happy. Here's my, here's my question as we come to close. So here's my question. If you're far away from God today, what's stopping you from accepting the invitation that He keeps sending you? Because I'm going to be honest with you, I ignored a bunch of invitations before I answered the call. I just wonder how many people here are that way. Can we pray? Just every head down, every eye closed. If you're watching online, here's my question. If you're here and you're like, Pastor, I'm far away from God right now. Will you slip your hand up? 
Can we pray together? Dear Heavenly Father, right now I invite you into my life. Ask you to forgive me of my sins. Make me right with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now here's my second question to, the, to every believer in the house. This week, will you work on making his house full? Not for the sake of a church, but for the sake of a person. For the sake of the master. Remember that when we stand before God, he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Not only is he a savior, he's a Lord. He's in control. He is the master that tells us what to do. And part of our journey is making his party full. Let's pray. Father, as we come to close, God, I just ask that, that in this moment, God, that, that you let us be focused on making your house full, God, that you let us be focused on going into the highways and the byways and the rural parts of this world, God, and compelling people into your house. God, we are a peculiar ministry. God, we're not doing it the way everybody else is doing it, but God, we love you so much. God, we're so passionate about people not going to hell, God, and about people growing in their faith, God, about people evangelizing the world, God. You you talk about, you talk about, taking your gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. God, let it start here. God, I believe that you are birthing from this small church in nowhere North Carolina. God, I believe that you are birthing a movement, God, that will change the world. God, let us not see ourselves as grasshoppers, but God, let us see ourselves as the giants that you created us to be. God, the people with kingdom impact that you intended us to to be. God, will you stir something in our hearts and lives, God, that causes us to change the world for you. God, at the end of the day, we'll give you credit for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being part of our Thrive Tribe. If you want to partner with this ministry and what the Lord is doing here at Thrive, visit thrivechurchonline.com and click on the Give tab. Help us reach more people just like you by rating and subscribing to this podcast. You don't want to miss what's coming next.